the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass, rushed out of the pocket, throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Friday the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com, on Facebook, or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me in studio, Parker Stone, and on location down in Charleston is Luke Wiggs. Good morning, fellas. Morning. morning. So, uh, how we feeling, guys? That status check on the fellas here after yesterday, huh? Yeah, what's the take been, at? Huh? It's been uh, better days. We'll, we'll say that. We've had better days. Well, let me start the show off, Luke. Uh, I got to rub this in for all the West Virginia people, because I think I'm the only person in the four-state area that uh, picked West Virginia in any of my brackets. So... Shout out to the Turpies winning their first round matchup against Mountaineers. It was a great game, to be fair. Uh, it was a fun one to watch here in the studio with uh, Luke and uh, our boss, Jared. But, um, yeah, or Luke, we'll start with you. What did you think of that, that West Virginia-Maryland game? You know, from an outside observer, that was a pretty good way to start uh, the NCAA tournament. But uh, obviously frustrating from a Mountaineer standpoint. Uh, you blow a 13-point lead that you had in the first half at one point. Um, so many different things just go wrong for WVU in that one. I know people want to complain about that uh, that review at the end, whether Parker. or not it went off Kedrian Johnson's shoulder. Um, but the Mountaineers lost that game themselves. I mean, there's plenty of plays down the stretch. I mean, the biggest one for me was the deflected ball towards the free throw line. James Oconquo is about to pull it down for a Mountaineer rebound. And Eric Stevenson goes over his back, tips the ball up into the air, uh, three different Mountaineer players tap it up to themselves like a volleyball player, can't come up with the ball, and it gets thrown into the front court for a Maryland dunk, and that put them up 61-59. So the Mountaineers had chances to put this game away. Uh, and Stevenson just did not play well. And it's it's hard to give him the blame for a game like this because of how many times he had won games for the Mountaineers this year. They're not in this situation if it's not for him. But uh, certainly an incredibly frustrating way to end the game, and I don't understand the – the strategy behind what they did at the end of the game eight seconds left they tried to go for the trap in the backcourt people forget there's no five second violation uh when that ball is put in play so trapping the maryland player in the backcourt meant absolutely nothing other than you costed yourself four seconds and he splits at the free throw line meaning the mountaineers had a chance for the win that shot was on line sure just skimmed the front of the rim but if you don't trap and you foul right away you save yourself four seconds. So when you have that second missed free throw, you've got eight seconds to get down the floor and not four, which means you could get to the rim and not settle for a bad shot. Um, credit where credit is due to Maryland. They kept hanging around. 
It was nine. It was was it nineteen six? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of other teams could have given up at that point. Um, they had a very good game plan. I was really uh, reluctant to say that Maryland was the favorite in this game because they couldn't win on the road, and they did. And they, I was not. I, I was not expecting them to play well with not having depth against the Mountaineers that go so deep. Uh, and Maryland played incredibly well and was incredibly well conditioned. So they did more than enough to earn that win. And Parker, they did all that. Uh, Maryland did all that with their best player, arguably Jameer Young being bottled up completely the whole game. I mean, the game plan, defensive game plan for the Mountaineers on Jameer Young was perfect. Yeah, it was very much so. They handled him pretty good, contained him well. And I think what Luke said pretty much summed up my sentiments of the game. Yeah, the call, I think it was a missed call. I think, I think they threw it out. Maryland did, but there, there were multiple opportunities that didn't let that decide the game. There was missed rebound opportunities when Jimmy Bell fouled out. Just there was an absolute struggle to pull down a defensive rebound and stop a possession for West Virginia. It was just tough going. And it's sad to say this. Eric Stevenson picked a horrible time to have one of his worst games of the mm-hmm. season. It it was sad to watch. I was throwing a fit about Stevenson chucking up three-pointers in here in the office. But it's, it's it was a good game. It was a coin flip game. Everybody... Knew, knew this coming in it was a coin flip and somebody said this on twitter yesterday i thought this was a really good comment most people picked west virginia to win this game it was they called it a coin flip game but everybody was picking the coin mm-hmm. flip on heads and it flipped on tails for maryland so it was a good game maryland deserved the win at the end of the day it's a great team they've been ranked at the top 25 this season west virginia was always on the fringe of being ranked at the top 25 at some points this season it's just one of those games where if the ball bounces a couple other ways, we're talking about a West Virginia win going to the round of 32. But it was a great game overall, great way to start the tournament, and this is what March is all about, times like this. And shout-out to Kedrian Johnson, though. What a game for Kedrian Johnson. He came in, I believe his scoring line was over under, I think, 10 or 11 and a half goes for 20-plus points. Really great game from Kedrian Johnson, and they're going to definitely, he's part of what West Virginia wants to do for the future. He had 27 points uh, yesterday, Johnson did. Trey Mitchell with 13, those are your leading scores uh, for the Mountaineers. And then 10 for Young, 15 for Hart. He had a great game. Uh, they needed a big game from him. 11 from uh, Dante Scott and 17 from Julian Reese. For uh, the Maryland Terrapins, of course, 67-65 win over the Mountaineers yesterday. Uh, the Terps only won that first half by two points, and it was tied, 35-all at the end of the game, of course, and then it just came down. And to be honest, that camera angle on that full-court shot at the end of the game, I thought it went in, and I almost passed out here at the studio. That would have been an unbelievable way for that game to end. But all in all, and I'll be interested to get uh, y'all's thoughts but, um, Luke, all in all, I think you could say this was a successful season for the Mountaineers, especially with the thoughts going in and how things started. Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, Bob Huggins proved that coming off of one of the worst seasons of his tenure at WVU that he could still recruit Power 5 talent to the program. Um, and after they got off to a horrendous start in conference play, was able to turn things around, made some changes to the coaching staff, uh, and saved in the back half of the season. Got some quality wins, beat Kansas State this year, beat UAB, beat Auburn. You know, teams that could uh, make a deep tournament run. It's frustrating the way that it ended, but getting back to the NCAA tournament was key. Uh, so, yeah, the, they certainly proved that they belonged. Now the question becomes, can they fill these open roster spots because they don't have anybody signed at next year's class? Uh, can they fill these roster spots uh, with quality transfers like they did this year? I know people have mixed emotions on Trey Mitchell. He's a very talented player. And obviously Eric Stevenson came in and made an immediate impact. Can he find uh, another Eric Stevenson? Can he find two or three Eric Stevensons? 
that's the question that's going to have to be answered. But it's a huge step forward for the program. If we're talking about the Mountaineers getting knocked out in the first round of the NIT, um, you know, like what happened with Clemson or whatever, then we start to have the conversation as to Bob Huggins' longevity as the Mountaineer head basketball coach because I don't know why all of a sudden it's come up. But Bob Huggins is one of the six or seven highest paid coaches in college basketball in the country. Um, And people expect results when you get paid that much money. Um, And hopefully those results will continue to come. This team needs to be better than a first-round exit next year. But uh, this was a good step to prove that in an NIL and transfer portal dominated era uh, that Huggins can still be the guy. And the Mountaineers didn't have that kid from Manhattan either. And, I mean, the way you guys talked about him, he would have completely changed that team. Well, now they got two guys that are projected to come in from Manhattan now. They got Jose Perez and his uh, teammates' names Mm -hmm. escaping me right now. But they got two guys potentially coming in from Manhattan there's guys set Silverio's up there. Silverio's a good player. Yeah, Silverio. There, there's the other guy for him too. It's, it's another. It's a case of is Huggins can continue to use this environment of the transfer portal to bring players in. You're seeing it all the way around. You're seeing guys who can play big time. We've seen people from the Division Two level. I mean, we've we've seen Abby Beeman go from D two up to D one and make an impact immediately. Could it be a something of that range? Could Bob Huggins dip his toe into the Division Two waters? Maybe find a diamond in the rough in that sense, or is there someone in maybe a mid major that Bob Huggins could call up? Is there other conferences in the Power Five that could find some other people? I've seen reports that some transfers already in the transfer portal are courting West Virginia as a potential opportunity. There were a lot of seniors in that lineup for WVU, at least three in there. So there's positions to be filled, positions to be opened, and there's a lot of opportunity. I think this offseason to really improve this team, and they got to to stay competitive in this Big Twelve because you think about it, Houston's coming into the conference next year, and they were one of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament this year so it's going to get even tougher in the Big 12 they got to keep pace if they want to keep consistency getting into the NCAA tournament and let's be honest who's the real winner when you got to place uh play Alabama in the next That's game fair. right so who's the real winner in that matchup well we'll get to this first break early well uh because we got to talk Jefferson basketball so uh, we got some audio from coach Lewis to listen to uh, but they uh, well unfortunately come up just short yet again this year and uh well, it was a tough loss for the Cougars yesterday so we'll get Luke's thoughts he was on location for it and we'll hear from coach Lewis after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Parker Stone. And down on location in Charleston for the high school championship tournament, is Luke Wiggs and well saw a tough one yesterday with Jefferson getting beat and bounced out of the tournament in the semis by Parkersburg South 66 to 87 it was a hard fought game it was a great tournament for the Cougars all in all um, looking at the final point totals here Jamari Jenkins with 21 Will Shively with 13 and Jaden Gladney with nine uh, and White Shively with eight as well so Luke uh, what are your thoughts on that one it was a tough way to see the Cougar season end yeah, it just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately, for Jefferson. Back-to-back trips to the state semifinals certainly can't be overlooked, but they just run into a buzzsaw. We had had the question when we had the show last week, you know, is anybody going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with Morgantown? And the answer is only if Parkersburg South played as well as they did yesterday. Uh, there's a really key moment, a couple of key moments in this game. But the biggest one for me was about halfway through the second quarter. Uh, it was a one-point lead for 
I believe it's Parkersburg South. It's 23-22. And Cyrus Traw picks up his second foul. And I'm sitting there at the scores table, you know, trying to be obviously no cheering on press row. And I'm thinking, this is a pretty key moment for Jefferson. Cyrus Traw was the majority of their offense. He's coming off the floor. They have a chance to really get out and push because he was also doing a very good job defensively on when he was matched up with Jenkins and Gladney. And I thought that that was Parkersburg South's opportunity, or rather Jefferson's opportunity to go on a little bit of a run. And instead, Park South did. Reeves really stepped up in that game. Plotner had a fantastic second half after doing absolutely nothing in the first half, the 6'8 kid inside. And Parkersburg South just had – they had players that came off the bench and were just a little bit more impactful than Jefferson. You know, it, it's, it's interesting to see Jefferson come here three years in a row, and every team is different. Uh, first year they come down here, they get knocked out in the first round, they really struggle. Second year, they're able to use their athleticism and, and win a first-round game, uh, but struggle in the second round because they can't shoot the ball. And this year, they come down and shoot the ball extremely well. I think the next thing for them to add, and this is no disrespect for the players that played because I, I think they got quality minutes, but getting more production out of their bench. Uh, Parker can attest to, because he saw more than anybody down the stretch, how much of an impact uh, Ty Vickers had, Kylan Johnson had. Moses Talley and Isaiah Fritz were coming in and making plays defensively, and it seemed like they were so lenient or having to lean on their stars in this tournament that when you know Will Shively gets into foul trouble in the first game, they struggle to kind of figure things out without him. In this game, Jaden Gladney had a hard time getting free early, um, and Jamari Jenkins wasn't able to get his shot off either. He was able to get to the rim a little bit. That Hopefully when Jefferson, if they're able to come back next year, which they return everybody but Will Shively, are going to be just as deep and talented as they are in their starting five, but have those two, three, four players that can come off the bench, one of them potentially to hit a shot, one of them to take over a game, one of them to get stops, and they can take that step further. But credit to Mike Fallon's one of the best coaches down here uh, in Parkersburg South advancing. Jefferson did everything they could to win that game and it still wasn't enough because just frankly that's how good Parkersburg South can be when they're at their best. And that was my worry coming into this game too because you saw the difference in play from Jefferson and GW. You say okay GW maybe wants to work more into the half court using those bigs to their advantage. Jefferson's wanting to run and use their speed to their advantage. You go to this Park South matchup, kind of a similar style of play, but they might have a little bit better size on the inside than what Jefferson had. Where do you think exactly, if you were to pick a moment, Luke, where Jefferson ran out of steam at in this game and it just Parkersburg South took over? I think, like I said, it was that late second quarter run. They were Parkersburg South brought players into the game to replace Traw to get their started. But Plotner didn't play much of the second quarter either because he committed two <clears throat> offensive fouls. Which you know, there's a lot of uh, applause that needs to be given to individual efforts from Jefferson, and no more than Wyatt Shively, who was unbelievable in the first game against the front court of GW that was 6-6 and 6-8, and he drew two offensive fouls against 6-8 Nathan Plotner in this game. So without those two, two of their three best players on the floor, Parkersburg South still goes on a run to take a pretty commanding lead into the half. And you could see how frustrating that was for Jefferson. You could see how frustrating it was for Will Shively. I think he only took one shot in the first half. I mean, he just could not get open. Jenkins wasn't getting separation. Gladney was forced to take all of his shots behind the college three-point line. And it was just everything that Parkersburg South was doing right and everything that Jefferson, unfortunately, was doing wrong. Coach Lewis had the right game plan. It was just, again, they ran into a really, really talented team. And you're not going to be able to avoid playing a talented team at this point in the state tournament, you know, with the chance to go to the state championship game on the line. I mean, 
it, it, again, the, the better team won. Jefferson now just needs to take that next step. And with Coach Lewis and the talent that they have coming back, you know, I expect Kyle, Kyle and Johnson to take a big step. I think he's going to be a really talented player. And somebody else that played minutes late once the game was already decided, some substitutes came in, was freshman Czech Gore. Hit a three, had good footwork inside, could defend the rim at six foot five. He's going to be more of a factor next year. It's obviously not a gimme that Jefferson's coming back because we know Musselman's returning. They'll have a bunch of seniors next year. Washington's on the rise. Spring Mills, you can never count out a Luke Samples team. And we'll have a brand new, new look Hedgesville team and whatever Martinsburg's going to be able to cobble together from their remaining pieces. It's not a guarantee that Jefferson will be back, but if they're back, they need to add that extra element to their game to try to take a next step. Uh, and if anybody can get them there, it's Coach Lewis. Yeah, the future is definitely bright in the whole paint. Well, really across the state. I feel like in all these games I've been listening to this uh, these last couple of weeks, girls side included, uh, all these teams are so, so young and they're oh, yeah. just rebuilding and rebuilding. But I want to take a few minutes here to listen back to the press conference after uh, the Cougars falling to number three, Parkersburg South. 87-66 yesterday, you'll hear uh, Coach Lewis, Will Shively, Jaden Gladney, and Jamari Jenkins. Coach, appreciate the time. Just some thoughts. I don't some questions. Um, just with uh, Parkersburg South, as, as advertised, um, they're a really good team, special team. They, uh, they wouldn't be back-to-back um, going to the state championship. So um, just hats off to them. Coach Fowler, do a great job. Got some really good players. Um, and I think, you know, for us, it's been a, a wonderful season um, to get to this point back-to-back. And um, for them, you know, I'm happy for them to experience, you know, Charleston coming here. It's great atmosphere, the media, um, the fans. Um, it's just it's just for them, I'm just happy for them. I mean, I envisioned it, you know, a long time ago when I started coaching at Jefferson. And, um, and I, you know, Will's a senior, and that's what he envisioned when he came to uh, – when he came to Jefferson, um, and so also Jamari and Jaden, um, they envisioned coming here um, and doing it back to back three years in a row. I'm um, getting down here and then back to back semifinalists is something special. Um, I told them in the locker room, <clears throat> don't take it for granted because you know I, I played a long time ago and a lot of memories stick with me. I want them to you know have those memories stick with them because if it was easy, um, I, I told them up until last year, Jefferson hadn't won won a game in 40 years. Um, State playoff game, so if it was that easy, then it would have been done, you know, plenty of times before that. So going back to back and doing it, um, you know, it's something just you know, really special. So I'm just so proud of them and uh, our coaching staff, the community for being in this situation back to back years. I, I want to go to the championship and win a championship all, you know, all every year. But for us to, you know, do what they did, um, like I said, two two times in 40 years back to back something special and it's not easy to do so I'm just you know just savor the moment it hurts right now um, we're all hurting but you know life goes on we have to move on and uh, be better so questions coach um, it's not like South can't shoot from outside the arc uh, but they tend to not you know run that as much uh, was that a little surprising or was that something you expected coming into it that they would um, you know they hit eight threes yeah, they hit seven in the first half. Um, I thought uh, some of them I thought, you know, I was a little surprised about um, a couple of the shooters that hit one. I wasn't surprised. Um, but they, you know, hats off to them. They made some shots. Um, I think they only made one second half. So they um, did what they had to do the second quarter. They made four in the second quarter out of nine. So they did what they had to do in the second quarter to get the lead. Um, and, I, you know, I know they're tough, you know, going to the basket, going to the foul line, things like that. So, you know, just trying to limit their uh, – 
their free throws and things like that. That's what our goal was because they, they went to the line against Hedgeville 36 times. I know they went 37 times last year against us. So just trying to keep them off the foul line was really, you know, some of the biggest things we wanted to accomplish. Coach, you had voiced some frustrations in years past about not being able to shoot uh, when you came down here. Through two games, that was something you did remarkably well. Do you think you've kind of come up with that winning formula to have success shooting the ball down here? Yeah, yeah, I think we shot really well on the last two days. I think them being comfortable um, playing here, you know, three years in a row. Jamari, Jamari's played two years in a row. And Will and James played three years. So I thought that was um, a lot of the key, too, just being here um, so many times, maybe becoming veterans down here. So I thought that helped us. Um, making 12 threes was not easy um, on the bas- in the basketball game. So I thought, you know, we, we shot the ball well enough. Um, we still didn't get some stops when we needed them. And I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Traw. Back-to-back times you played him in the semifinals, and he's yeah. put a pretty good body of work against you guys both times. Yeah, he's tough. He's tough. Um, you know, when you, when you play against good players, you're not going to stop them. Uh, he's trying to limit what they do, you know, and that's something we, we tried. We tried our best. Um, we, we, we did everything we could um, try to limit his uh, his driving ability, but he he he, can, he can hit a couple. He won three. Uh, got to the line seven times, so he's a tough player. Um, tough player to handle. Um, so you know that's something that uh, you know. I know he's playing football, but he's heck of a basketball player too. You guys kind of thrive on that pressure. You know, when you're trying to get back in the game, and they only turned it over ten times. Obviously, mm-hmm. they like to press too. Mm-hmm. Curious how you thought they handled your pressure, and if it makes it. I, mean, I guess the old adage is press a pressing team, but you know when you. I'm sure you would have liked to get more than ten turnovers. Yeah, yeah, I thought uh, we didn't press um, much in the first half. Right. I think I think um, really where they got us a little bit in the second quarter was offensive rebounding. Um, and we wasn't really thinking we were going to turn them over a bunch, but uh, just try to limit the second shots. Uh, I thought that kind of hurt us. And then uh, they hit some threes. They hit 7, 14 in three-point range. So hats off to them. Will, uh, three straight trips to the state tournament, obviously back-to-back in the state semifinals, obviously leaving the program, but do you think you're leaving it in pretty good hands and a pretty good foundation for this success to continue for Jefferson? Yes, it's in great hands with the coaches. Two players beside me. I see a bright future for Jefferson. Well, what did it mean to get here for, you know, like your coach was saying, third straight year, and I know it's not the ending you envisioned, but this is where everybody hopes to end it. It felt, it's amazing to get here three years in a row. Most people don't have the chance to reach a tournament. So it's just a great opportunity and it's been great with the people around me to reach the state tournament three years in a row. And for Jaden and Jamari, kind of the same question for Coach. You know, Having a chance to come back now in years to come, you guys saw the ball through, go through the basket a lot more this time around. A little bit more comfortable shooting on this floor and playing on this floor. Yeah, my first, my first uh, two times here, I didn't really shoot the ball that well. But on the way down here, I had to really lock in and prepare myself to what was going. Um, prepare myself for to get out here and, and do me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we always had to get used to the, like the rims and stuff like that. Like no, like board, no walls behind the rims like that. Yeah, but nah, uh, I mean, it was it was a good adjustment, but like. I mean, we shot very well this year, last year, and better than last year. So, yeah. 
Again, that was uh, Coach Richard Lewis, Will Shively, Jaden Gladney, and Jamari Jenkins after, or their words after their loss, 87-66 to number three seed Parkersburg South. And Luke, it's a, an emotional tournament. I mean, the, it, there's a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows. And unfortunately, Jefferson experiencing uh, the low part of that earlier than they would have wanted. And it uh, sounded like it got a little emotional in there. Yeah, it really did. It was sad because you could see how much it meant, obviously, for Will Shively and what the last three years has meant the success at Jefferson and him being able to play actually as a freshman as well. Um, knowing that that was his final game, that's always an emotional moment. You guys, I'm sure, you remember your last meet or your last baseball game or your last whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember losing uh, my last basketball game as well, and it just, you know, it it, it, it it takes an emotional toll on you. But there was also a little bit of a quiet confidence from Jamari Jenkins and Jaden Gladney and, and Coach Lewis, knowing that there, a lot of this team is coming back and that they have an opportunity to take a step further. And again, I think... They've they've kind of stalled in the state semifinal game back-to-back years, but they're now lined up to take that next step if they're able to get back to Charleston, which, again, it's an easier said than done because of how talented the EPAC is, um, but taking that next step towards a state title. So, obviously, uh, really proud of everybody should be of what Jefferson was able to accomplish this year. Played a really tough schedule. Didn't necessarily have the greatest record. And maybe, them, you know, we could have the question, did that cost them at the state tournament? Last year they were undefeated. This year they lose seven games because of their, their tough schedule. Did it cost them in terms of seeding? I don't know. I mean, again, you just it's, it's hard to not uh, play a very tough team in the state semifinals. But I would expect early predictions that they'll be back. If you ask me who that second panhandle team is going to be, I have absolutely yeah, no that's idea. That's a coin flip. Yeah, but I, I, I expect them to be back and uh, hopefully be able to make some noise. Both teams, you know, I was able to ask Mike Fallon, uh, who just beat Hedgesville and obviously beat Jefferson, um, kind of his thoughts on the panhandle. I said, Coach, you know, a lot of people come down here in years past, panhandle teams, and it's two and out for both teams. And he said, you know, Hedgesville, so tough tough game plan he talked extensively about how stressed out he was going into that game what if kelly church comes out of his zone what if he plays up tempo what if he does this what if he plays stall ball what if he does whatever and then jefferson knowing that any time that you've got three elite shooters and good role players around them that could flip a game on its head and they play up tempo and he said you know there's no panhandle team playing on championship saturday but he certainly said they're garnering a lot of attention and a lot of respect in the Eastern Panhandle, and that's going to continue. And that's what we've been looking for this entire time. We've seen the seeding throughout both the girls' and the boys' tournament with the seeding not being where we think it should be at. Jefferson coming in at a seven seed obviously isn't where it should have been. They knock off the second-best team in the tournament coming in from the pole sake. Spring Mills comes in as a five seed. They take the number one team in the girls' side to the limit, to the very end of it, and it's just been an impressive showing from both sides on the girls and the boys at the Eastern Panhandle. If we're going to take an early look at next year for all the all the, on the boys' side for basketball, I think if you look at it, I think Jefferson right now is going to be the front runner to get back to Charleston for obvious reasons, returning most of that roster. I think they have a really good shot to be the number one team to get to Charleston out of the Panhandle. Again, the two-seat, it all I think kind of depends on certain teams. Can Spring Mills get themselves back in check? They had a really bad second-half collapse. Things didn't go their way. Can they put together a full season of consistency? If they do that, I think they're the front-runner to be that second team out in the panhandle. Musselman, they had some opportunities as well. A strong second half of their season, which just came up a game short, played two tough road games back-to-back to end their season. You got Hedgesville. What do they got in the JV ranks? Because they got a bunch of seniors that have left that class. They got arguably the best coach 
in the Panhandle and Kelly Church from what he's put together with his tenure over with the Eagles. Can he do it again, bring in a team that can go and compete to get back to the state tournament? And then Martinsburg and as well as Washington, I think are question marks. You got the tenure of Dave Rogers. He's got that tenure as well. You speak of Kelly Church, Dave Rogers is the same way. Can he piece together a team and get back to the Bulldogs' dominance in Charleston? Or are we going to see Washington take that step up and compete next year? It's it's wide open out in that second spot, I think. Well, it's a tough end for Panhandle teams with Jefferson falling uh, just short yesterday in the State Boys Basketball Championship Tournament. But uh, we'll step aside for just about a minute and a half because we have a ton of March Madness college tournament to get to. There's all kinds of upsets, uh, all kinds of big wins, big losses. You know how it goes when you get to March Madness time. So we'll step aside a few minutes, be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. Check them out at MountaineerKitchenToBath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Luke, of course, down in location uh, at Charleston for the Boys State Basketball Tournament, which will continue on our coverage here on WEPM starting at 1 o'clock today. Let me pull up the schedule here because the 1 o'clock game, I think, has some pretty vested interest with Luke... And it is. It's number one, James Monroe and Clay Battelle, number four, Clay Battelle, kicking things off with our coverage here at 1 p.m. Uh, on WPM. And that'll be Shady Springs and Scott at 530, Bluefield, Chapmanville at 715, and Elkins and Fairmont Sr. at 9. Real quick, Luke, before we get into our NCAA uh, tournament coverage, give us a quick rundown on the games today. Yeah, absolutely. The two games that we're not going to be able to have, Tug Valley's got a really good freshman point guard I like, and Tucker County's got a lot of great history at the state tournament in the 2-3 game. Williamstown's the number one taking on uh, a really well-coached Charleston Catholic team. has got uh, DJ Turner, one of the better players down here, but Williamstown's the top team in the class. Uh, you mentioned that James Monroe, Clay Battelle game. Clay Battelle's one of the biggest single-A teams in recent memory. They go 6-6, 6-6, and James Monroe's got Eli Allen, who a lot of people consider to be the best player in the state, and I like him a lot. He's a very good playmaker. And then in the afternoon, you've got Shady Springs. They're the best offense in the entire state against the Scott Skyhawks. They've got Reese Carden, another team that's very, very well coached. That's going to try to play upset. Bluefield against Chapmanville, two teams that like to really get up and down on the floor. These are teams that have seen each other a lot. State semifinals, state finals in years past. And then the nightcap, Elkins pulled the upset off in round one and brought a ton of people. This is their once-in-a-generation team, they think. They've got very good players. Um... Uh, two seniors in their backcourt. They're taking on Fairmont Senior, who's trying to repeat as the class AAA champions. Uh, Deshaun Good and the like absolutely buried North Marion yesterday. Uh, so it's going to be a ton of fun filling out the rest of these semifinal brackets and then the four championship games tomorrow. And the way it's been looking like, is Elkins the Cinderella of this tournament right now? Yeah, I mean, especially now since Jefferson's been knocked out. They made a lot of noise. Uh, they're really fun to watch. Like I said, uh, forgive me, number 10 and number 11, uh, Miller's the point guard. I can't remember number 10's name, their, their best shooter. They've really, really impressed. And, you know, It's one thing to come down here off a of once-a-generational team and then lay an egg in the first round because you haven't played anybody. But Elkins has played a really tough schedule this year. They're athletic. They run the floor. Uh, and, again, their atmosphere is probably going to be the loudest today in terms of what they bring. Uh, so Elkins, I'm sure, is certainly going to be a feel-good story. At Fairmont Senior is a tough team to beat. Dave Rett knows what he's doing over there. Uh, but Elkins, there's going to be a lot of people in the arena rooting for them to go to the championship. 
But we'll get things started with our coverage here on WEPM with number one, James Monroe, taking on number four, Clay Battelle at 1 p.m. And then we'll have all your afternoon games. Then, of course, Saturday, we'll have all your championship games. There's already one championship bracket uh, game that's been filled out. Number one, Morgantown taking on number three, Parkersburg South. That'll be Saturday at 10 a.m. Then the Class A championships at 1230, 2A at 5 p.m., 3A at 730 p.m. And, of course, we'll have you covered right here on WEPM and WCST. The Panhandle News Network. And speaking about filling out brackets, uh, we have our Panhandle Sports Live tournament bracket challenge live right now we do i mean there's a lot of shuffling yesterday what three percent of brackets i think are perfect at this point or point, haven't been busted three percent point three percent of brackets have uh, been busted i mean that princeton one hurt a ton of people and i honestly i think the west virginia maryland game hurt a lot of people yeah. too like you guys were saying but looking at the leaderboards here of course i don't know real names but c myers at number one dr generosity tied for number one and then woods won big uh, dwv oh is that daniel woods yeah. Oh, nice. Well, Uh-oh. he's tied. Uh, well, he's at third. Tied for third. So shout out to the top three. And Luke, you're at five. I'm at 12. And then Parker's perfect bracket. Well, it does not seem like it's too <laughs> perfect because you're tied for last. Yeah, a uh, bad draw. I think just what really killed me was the south bracket. I It was just picks the opposite way. Just different bounces. I had WB in Maryland. I had College of Charleston beating San Diego State. Virginia beating Furman. And then I had Utah State making a run, beating Missouri, and beating Arizona going to the Sweet 16. That hurt my bracket pretty pretty bad with Missouri beating Utah State. Thankfully, it doesn't kill me too much because Princeton beating Arizona kind of knocks that out. But hopefully now we're, we're going to have to depend on Creighton to make a little bit of a run here and kind of save that south side of the bracket because I, I got beat up pretty bad in the south end on on that one. They were saying that that one's going to be the toughest one to call out of all of them. They were 100% right, and it it's looking pretty tough. I'm going to have to have a little bit of a run right here. I had uh, Louisiana and Tennessee. I had Louisiana pulling the upset there. Tennessee was only able to win by three. Louisiana was putting a run together in the second half. Auburn played really good. That's a, that's a team to watch right now, especially since uh, – Houston's best player he got pulled in the first half when that game against Northern Kentucky Auburn's that sneaky team they could snip Houston and bust a ton of brackets because Luke and I both have Houston win the national championship that's a potential bracket destroyer in the round yeah. of 32 is Auburn against Houston bunch of good matchups today too I had I had Texas A&M beating my little run team on a seven seed going to the elite eight and knocking off both Penn State and Texas Penn State's getting hot at the right time, and yeah. I'd be worried they're going to bust some brackets coming up because they're playing Texas in the round of 32. Penn State has one of the best players in the nation right now. He's on a roll, but Texas is one of the hottest teams in the nation right now, so that one's going to be an interesting one to pick at. And as well as Boise State, I had beating Northwestern. That one didn't pull off either. So going to need a little bit of good luck here on today's action and some good luck in the round of 32 to come back, but not the uh, not the hottest start for Parker's per- perfect bracket, sadly. Now, of course, objectively speaking, because uh, I think a sour taste in your guys' mouth was left after that West Virginia game, but do you think yesterday was the best opening day of March Madness basketball in like the last decade because all the games were good I mean there weren't really any crazy blowouts I mean I think 15 points was really the most uh, aggressive margin of victory I mean everything was close things coming down to the wire you had big upsets I mean Princeton who'd have thought that like an AAU team Princeton would beat number two Arizona like they did uh, 59-55 but what do you think Luke do you think that was one of the better opening day uh, March Madness days we've had I think it's never going to be top. For me, the best first day in March Madness was uh, the first Loyola Chicago year. And I don't remember if that was my junior or senior year of high school. I mean, you're right from a competitive standpoint. I think the first four or five games, when you start with West Virginia, Maryland, they came down to the wire. Kedrian Johnson hits the front of the rim after about a 10-minute video review. And then you follow it up by the most experienced player in 
in the history of the ACC throwing a pass oh, trapped in the corner God. over his head to get picked <laughs> off the midcourt. Oh, how the bad lady, does that kid feel today? That, well, you know what's brutal is I've got a couple of friends of mine that they're from Virginia, grew up UVA fans, and then I met them at WVU, so they're Mountaineer fans. I mean, that happened within the span of 20 minutes. West Virginia losing and UVA losing. Hmm, I can't even imagine what that was like. But those two games right off the rip, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was very entertaining basketball. Charleston should have beaten San Diego State. It's a shame. You know, there's somebody else that I had going to the Sweet 16. You're right. The Princeton-Arizona thing is crazy because if you look at the box score, you can't really figure out why Princeton won this game. Neither team shot well. Neither team rebounded the basketball. Neither team had double-digit assists. Um, but then we got to see some other dominant te- You know, Tennessee almost gets upset. You talked about Houston almost getting upset against Northern Kentucky. You want to talk about an all-vibes team where they take, like, 35 threes? No, never within the rhythm of the offense. They were just jacking up shots like an 8-year-old playing 2K. And, again, there's just teams that you are starting to look like giant killers. Penn State, like Parker alluded to, and Duke just – dominated Oral Roberts in a game that a lot of people thought was a popular upset pick. So I I think it was a pretty solid all-in-all first day of the tournament. Today will be as well. But I think there's a lot of very talented teams that could struggle. We talked about uh, Houston. You know, we talked about Purdue and potential. They're a potential to get upset by either Memphis or FAU if uh, Purdue's able to get past Fairleigh Dickinson. I think the back end of this tournament could be more wide open than anything we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I think so too. With everything com- everything coming down to play again, I really think Penn State has a puncher's chance against Texas. And I know a lot of people have picked Texas to either get to a Final Four, or get to an Elite Eight, Looked one good or the yesterday. two. They did look good. Texas is one of the best teams in the nation, and since they let Chris Beard go and start up with their interim coach, they're 20-7 and in that span, which is really impressive to the job and the talent the Longhorns have. They're a really good team right now. Definitely, I think if I would pick games to watch for today, I would say probably the 8-9 matchup in the East, Memphis and Florida Atlantic. That's going to be a really fun game. I think it's a 9 o'clock, 9.20 tip tonight and that mm. for that one. Late game, that one's going to be fun. Two really fun teams. If you're a fan of a 90s basketball, Penny Hardaway, of course, Memphis Tiger legend, Orlando Magic legend, coaching the Memphis Tigers. Fun action out the way. Florida Atlantic loves to shoot the three-point ball, so you want a lot of scoring action. Place to be for that one. Uh, of course, I got vested interest at 4 o'clock this afternoon, Creighton against NC State. I got Creighton making a little bit of run in the tournament. And then as well for you, let me take a look at one more matchup I like. A popular upset pick that people are liking right now is 12 seed Drake over Miami in the Midwest. That's another one to watch, too. Be on the lookout for that one, 725 tonight. And then my pick, watch out for Arizona State against TCU. That game's 10 o'clock tonight. Arizona State, really impressive win over Nevada in the first four. They're looking pretty good right now. Coming into the tournament, people were thought that Arizona State was going to be a defensive team. They hung 98 points up on Nevada. So if they're able to do that against a tough TCU team, Sun Devils could be going to the round of 32. Hey, my uh, national champion, UCLA Bruins looked good against UNC Asheville, as they should have, 86-53. to They'll be taking on Northwestern. I got I did pretty good yesterday, all things considered. I mean, the upsets are the upsets, I guess. I mean, you're not going to be able to uh, pick those. I mean, I don't think anybody had Princeton, right? Nobody expected Princeton. I saw a pretty funny um, meme. It was um, it was like picture – it was uh, four pictures, right? And it was um, – it was uh, who beat 
freaking uh, Virginia? Furman. Furman. It was Furman's, like, their shot, and then their, like, student section going crazy. Like, this is how Furman celebrates the winter. And then it was uh, Princeton, them winning, and then it was a picture of a library with a bunch of people <laughs> studying. It's like, this is how Princeton students. Score one for the nerds. <laughs> That's right, dude. Them, um, Colorado School of Mines. Man, nerds are up. Man, ner- athletic nerds, nerds are up right now. Are, they're up right now. They're up right now. But we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back. We'll get Parker's picks for today and the weekend, I guess, since it is Friday. And then we'll start to yeah. wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. Check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road, Martinsburg. And Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Come on! You said you were going to ride with me. Make it permanent. And you can't get permanent now. I am Mark. I am Mark. You get Mark trolls on for Parker's picks. We went two for three yesterday on my selections. Yesterday's lock of the day, of course, the Duke Blue Devils. We are riding the Blue Devils. They're a Final Four pick for me. Duke beats Oral Roberts handedly, 74-51. to 51. Louisiana, they were unable to beat Tennessee 58-55, to 55, but I told you to take that plus 10.5 spread, and I was right in that. It was going to be a close game. Louisiana hangs on. They get that t- plus 10.5 spread and cover that. But yesterday, I had Boise State beating Northwestern. That sadly didn't happen, 75-67. to 67. I like the Broncos a lot coming into that game, but just wasn't enough. Northwestern bests them. So let's get into today. I got for you, today's lock of the day is going to be Creighton over NC State. I like Creighton a lot. They're going to be a team that I have going to the Elite Eight and playing Alabama in the region. I really like what Creighton brings to the table. That's today's lock of the day. Also, I like Gonzaga, minus 15.5. I know it's a big spread, but I have them covering it against Grand Canyon. Gonzaga is the top offense in the nation. They're going to put it together. I really like what Gonzaga is doing. I think they get to the Final Four as well. Mark Few, one of the longest tenured coach, one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think they cover the 15.5 point spread against Grand Canyon, who's got a little bit of a uh, issue going on. There's still a potential of they don't get their uniforms in time for the game. But that's a big that's a big one. I got. I got. Why they don't have their uniforms. I, like they had everything together, but apparently they didn't get the uniforms on the flight over or something. So they're trying to get the uniforms in time. But Gonzaga, I have minus fifteen and a half against Grand Canyon as well as I've got. This one's kind of the coin flip game of today: Memphis and Florida Atlantic. I believe I took the Owls in my bracket, but I think I'm going to flip and go to Memphis just because I like what Penny Hardaway and his team have put together. They're a really good transition team. It all depends on if Florida Atlantic can hit their threes or not, and I don't know if they're going to be able to against Memphis's defense. It's better in the interior than it is on the perimeter, but I like Memphis just for the experience in that team to best Florida Atlantic. So again, today's lock of the day, Creighton over NC State, Gonzaga to cover the 15.5 point spread against Grand Canyon, and Memphis over Florida Atlantic. And for Saturday for you, going into the slate of games for what we have already, it's the lock of the day. I'm riding Duke again. I think Duke beats Tennessee. It's three and a half spread favoring Duke right now. I like them on the money line against Tennessee. Also another pick for you that I like. I like Alabama to beat Maryland at seven and a half right now. Just Alabama's really good. Maryland oh, yeah. had a really good game against West oh, yeah. Virginia, but Alabama's a beast within itself. It's mm-hmm. it's a tough draw. And we're riding Cinderella. I have Firm beating San Diego State. 
I have Furman beating San Diego State. I think it rides once again. They piece it together, and Furman will advance to the Sweet 16. So for Saturday, if you want to use that, Duke, lock of Saturday. And then I have Alabama over Maryland, Furman over San Diego State. Now, Luke, me and Parker talked about this yesterday uh, during the Maryland-West Virginia game, but Edwin Diaz, right? He's out for the season for the Mets uh, in one of the more freak injuries I think I've ever witnessed. I was watching the game where they beat Puerto Rico, the Dominican in the World Baseball Classic. He gets the final out. You know, nobody's really celebrating too crazy. I mean, nothing over the top. Uh, They all come together around Edwin Diaz at the pitcher's mound. They're kind of just lightly jumping up and down, and then the camera cuts away, cuts back, and then they're carrying Edwin Diaz off the field. He can't put any weight on his, uh, I believe it was his right leg, maybe it was left on one of his legs. Um, And now it comes out that he's out for the season. Now, I got two questions for you, Luke. One, uh, I mean, what do you think about the injury in general? And two, I mean, for these, especially for the Latin American countries, you hear in a lot of these interviews post-game and you know press conference and such, this World Baseball Classic means a ton to these guys. And to most of it, it means more than the World Series. So uh, a lot of people are saying that it's a bad injury and a tournament doesn't mean anything. But what do you think about the whole Edwin Diaz situation? It's unfortunate, obviously, for Edwin Diaz. And uh, the Mets are obviously looking to take that next step as a program. He was a key piece. Um, you know, when the trumpet thing was going, he was the most popular player in baseball there in the middle of the season. Uh, so it's a shame. I don't normally uh, do this uh, because I hate this organization so much. But that KFC guy from Barstool, mm-hmm. what he said yesterday about the World Baseball Classic was the most immature and heartless and stupidest thing I've ever read in my entire life. Agree. Uh, that summed up, and he then tried to defend. When you see somebody arguing with nobodies in the comment section, you know that they know they were in the wrong. Basically summed up to say, as an angry Mets fan, that the, way, the World Baseball Classic doesn't mean anything, and he hopes that everybody's star player got hurt the next day so that – the, the World Baseball Classic losers would blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. There are more people watch the Japan-Korea game, 66 million, than have watched any World Series game ever. That's how much it means to these teams, South American teams. It's a freak accident. Edwin Diaz could have gotten hurt in spring training. In fact, Chris Sale missed half the season last year. Here's a cautionary tale for all of you that ride uh, bicycles. He fell off of a bicycle, and he missed half the season. Hey, don't put Things that juju happen. on me, man. <laughs> things happen um and what he said was asinine the kfc guy at barstool it's a shame it had to happen um and it didn't have to happen it was just a stupid celebration um but you know people need to relax i think the tournament's been a ton of fun this oh, yeah. year you know the usa qualifying last second and all, all the rivalry games and how much people have watched it it's a shame it happened but i hope the world baseball classic continues i mean this is the real world series if you want to look at it that way essentially yeah it Absolutely. is when you piece it together and everything has it, this is all the nations coming together. We've seen some really cool moments in this too. Like we've seen Shohei Otani once again prove like he's the uh, the the anomaly of baseball and like the nicest guy. Everybody that struck him out, he signed a jersey for him and, and taking pictures with him after the game. Like, he's so nice too. Like he's just such a good guy. That's what makes Shohei Otani really fun to root for. He threw a one hundred two fastball, Oof. which the fact that he can throw one hundred two and hit forty home runs in a season. It's you're you're witnessing the second coming of Babe Ruth right now in this generation. It, almost a hundred years apart from when Babe Ruth was doing his thing in the 1920s, we're witnessing it in the 2020s decade right now. Shohei Otani is an absolute marvel. I'm excited to see him once again for the Angels this year. But the, yeah, the World Baseball Classic has been a fun showing all around, and I you can make that comment if you want. It, it's obviously a, a jaded comment because he's a net a Mets fan, mm-hmm. but. 
it, it happens. It's sports. Freak injuries happen. Sadly, it happened to Edwin Diaz this go around. All the best for a speedy recovery because the game's more fun with Edwin Diaz closing for the New York Mets. I will say that. And like you said, uh, Luke, I mean, he could have done this walking down the steps of his presumed mansion, down his marble steps, slip and fall, and then he, you know, breaks his back or something. I mean, this could happen any any time, anywhere, any chance. But it is sad. And yeah, the the comments were from KFC were pretty ridiculous, and he definitely took his uh, took his. His punishment, I guess, online for uh, well deserved the, the comments. Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday, but got just about well, a minute left here, fellas. Any uh, Luke? Any final thoughts? Talking about well, how's your how's your trip been down in Charleston? It's been fun. The atmosphere's been great. Hopefully, we finish out strong here with the semifinals and the state championship game tomorrow. And I would also like to say, as a descendant of Scottish coal miners and Irish rail workers, Aaron Grobra to everybody today uh, for St. Patrick's Day. There you go. Um, I guess today's the only acceptable day to drink a Guinness. So if you want to... Whoa. Hey. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Any day, anytime, any day is an acceptable time to drink a Guinness. Well, if, you, if you're going out celebrating St. Patty's this weekend, please be safe. Absolutely. And that goes for you too as well. Don't party too hardy wherever you guys are going to be ended up at. So I know you're going down to Blacksburg. I'm heading down to Charlotte. Luke's been partying all week down, in, uh, down with all the Metro News cats in uh, Charleston. So... But yeah, if you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. Got Panhandle Live is next. Got uh, Hot Talk Line after that. And of course, high school basketball, Clay Patel, getting us started at 1 p.m. So have a good weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Be safe. Have fun. We'll talk to you on Monday. pass me by. No pipe did hum, no battle drum. It sounded straight at But the Angelus bells are the Liffey swell. Bring out all the foggy do. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.